0: Have a sense of urgency, but let things take the time they have to take and just trust the process.
1: So I'm thrilled to be hosting, guest hosting Gravity today as a fill-in for Brett. And this is my first podcast. And I am thrilled to be sharing it uh, with the talented ent- serial entrepreneur and creator, Taris Kravchek, who is the founder of Form, which is a, I like to say it's kind of a movement as a company at large to a carbon free circular economy business, but in the product of an electric bike made um, entirely from scratch, from all sustainable materials and something that I have never seen before. I got to go tour the, the studio in Brooklyn Navy Yards, not too far from me here in Brooklyn. And was completely blown away by the product at large, but even more so just his ethos behind it. And then once sitting down, getting to talk to him as the individual, I thought this would be a perfect um, guest to dive into more of the consciousness that makes up an entrepreneur, but just somebody that beats to their own drum and really wants to evoke change in the world. So a little bit more about Taurus here is he's an award-winning multidisciplinary designer, serial entrepreneur, technologist, and inventor. Uh, With over 15 years of experience, Taurus has worked with Google, T-Mobile, and Spotify. His work has been featured in the Peterson Automotive Museum and Queensland Museum of Modern Art. Five years ago, Taurus set out to redefine the way we move and founded Tarform, a mobility company based in Brooklyn, New York. Tarform's mission is to design vehicles that fuse art, technology, and ecology and inspire people to embrace a more sustainable way of life. So Taras, I'm excited to dive a little bit further into this. Thanks for joining us. So one of my favorite statements of yours that you shared was what you believe in and going back to kind of our whys and our core values, you said, turning ideas into reality requires unwavering belief, discipline, and determination. I have learned that everyone has a seed of infinite potential that can be ignited with passion and purpose. I have learned that nothing is impossible. And I just think that's really telling of just who you are and the continual commitment to one, your personal missions that then have you know, transformed into this company, Tarform. So I I really, I think that was a great kind of backbone into what we're going to discuss today. So my name is Brianna Bolentini, and I have been working with Brett Kaufman, the founder of Gravity and Kaufman Development for a few years now. And he has certainly grown into being one of my biggest mentors just in the world of real estate, but even more so just in personal development and has really exposed me to a lot of his tools that he has used throughout his career. And um, one of those... Being uh, BTL that I still use, you know, daily, and I think a lot of the the missions that he brings up in this podcast stems from that. And I I use it every day in our in our practice. I do a lot of design strategy for gravity with retail tenants and master planning and creating this community of the future that is all stems from this idea of a heightened consciousness and how you do that with the greater community. So I was thrilled that he asked me to guest host today and. I think this this guest also falls a lot in line with a greater purpose that has turned his passion into into his purpose. Well, one, I'm super excited that you get to be my guest for my first podcast ever. I think it's super on brand just from like what I know about you, of kind of one the company, but even more so about the mental side and like the mental awareness and the kind of the full scope of your company. And I kind of want to back into that first before we go into car form and more, you know, the ethos of the company, maybe a little bit more about yourself. And obviously I'll, you know, give the intro later, but yourself on uh, kind of like what your bigger, why, like why, what makes mm. you who you are, and then how did the bigger why go further into the what, which you now have turned into an e-bike, but you've had several mm. what's. So you did have a mental health company. You've had a few different startups. So what, What's your why that you continue to uncover that then have brings you to these what's, which are the company?
0: Mm, many questions. Should we end up with a why or begin with a what? What, what comes first? I don't know. If, I, don't, I don't think my why is still fully uncovered. I think that's a process that you go through <laughs> until until the end. Hopefully, you know, somewhere along the path, you know, that why becomes uh, a bit clearer. But yeah, kind of high level... Uh, I grew up to Russian parents, so totally different cultures, which I think is basically it gives you different perspectives. I realized later, not when you're growing up. You know, when you're growing up, you're either want to belong to this camp or the other one. But further down the life, I realized that was an advantage. But you know, growing up in Scandinavia, it's, it's it's an interesting culture in terms of sort of the knowledge around the environment and uh, typically a higher sense of awareness around what the field of sustainability today, right?
1: So do you think that a lot of that came from... I mean, your parents, I believe, were entrepreneurs. So one, the idea that you want to start from scratch, but even more so, was it that you were exposed to sustainability? So you just, by default, knew that whatever you would start or the product you'd bring into the world should have the backbone of sustainability? Or do you think that, as you're saying, Mm. is uncovered the more and more you were working with motorcycles and you were seeing the flaws in sustainability, you were seeing not the closed-loop systems where you like, I need to bring this into the world. Like, I guess I'm trying to get down to the point of what was the chicken and the egg? That you wanted to create this sustainable product or you wanted to create a product and therefore realized it had to be sustainable?
0: Yeah, no, it was, it was never driven by sustainability to begin with because I really had no frame of reference of what sustainability even meant before moving to the United States and seeing what sustainability is not. And mm-hmm. seeing how... All the garbage ends up on the streets to begin with, and nothing is being recycled. So I remember that about ten years ago was kind of like, oh wow, okay. So other com- other countries are not doing what uh, what Sweden does, which imports more garbage than they have. Like their their garbage refineries or recycling facilities run at such high efficiency that they're actually importing garbage. I guess that was you know one wow. of the first realizations. And then at the same time, the sort of Really got interested in design early on and gravitated towards what is what does aesthetics mean on a bigger spectrum than just making something pretty and beautiful which uh, I think now I think design has to take a little bit of a different different role as not just being considered sort of a superficial thing, but how can we start using design or beauty and get people to think in a little bit different ways and I think that came. That in combination with sustainability drove me to start my design agency, which uh, actually is called Gravity Hill, which we started 12, 13 hey, yes, years uh, ago. Right. Gravity is a common denominator, yeah. And uh, so basically, what we wanted to do is, uh, you know, how do we how do we use design as a driving force to tell a bigger story in the way we design products, not just uh, not just uh, you know hardware products, but Whenever you create something that serves a function to communicate something that you know is a little bit on a bigger perspective than just oh, here's the functionality and you know let's build a productivity app or something like that. But uh, how, how do we begin rethinking? You know, what are the challenges we should be addressing as a as a society? And there's plenty of them.
1: I think this is a perfect segue to kind of you know tie everything together. Why I didn't want to start with? that you have this, you know, electric bike company, because I think it's my favorite part about the company way more than the product is the culture around it. Everything that you're touching upon, like the narrative, the storytelling, and, and it probably comes from your background of a design company. But I think, can you speak a little bit more to that where, and we'll get into, you know, the bike is extreme, all those that are listening, it's an extremely cool product. Check it out. When you're in Brooklyn, definitely go to the showroom as well. But more so of like this this culture and your, your core values that you... That is your why. It's sounding like that then birth the what, which is the product. So kind of go more into the culture and what does it mean? Why closed loop and how does that really alone like align with with you personally? Mm-hmm. And why tell kind of a story? I think you had a quote too. The what was it? The people want uh, to use their products that represent their values. I think that's that right there says your larger offering of the culture versus just you know another product into the world.
0: Yeah, good question. And that was also. A process of seeing what doesn't work, and you know, working with other startups. And basically, my role was to work with early stage founders, and typically, you know, they had a napkin sketch idea and said, "This is something we want to build." And my agency came in and helped define the story, the brand uh, identity, the visuals, down to the first sort of iteration of the product. And most often, you sort of dive head in and start building the product. And then after that, you know, the company says, "Well." We also need to create a brand identity. We need to create brand communication. And initially, you know, I was just following the step-by-step of, okay, here's a visual identity, here's a logo type and so on. But then I realized that after the product was launched or the company was launched, there was a lot of focus on just selling the service or product. And it lost half of the meaning. Because it was primarily driven by uh, profit. And you know then, after working with 2030 Cyrus, uh, I started thinking, well there's something that doesn't work here. so a lot of companies want this thing that they call brand. What does that even mean? You know, brand seems to be some sort of this magical unicorn that is intangible, it's hard to grasp and but yet we all hear the meaning of of a brand and the, and the value of a brand being you know, nike coca-cola it's uh, there's so billions have been invested into instilling some sort of a some sort of you know purpose into it. So that kind of gave me a realization, well, is there another way to create a product or a service or a company and not start with a product but start with the why, which is what is your purpose? What is your mission? And work your way backwards. And many times companies, you know, they build a product and then they say, "Well, can you tell me what my company should stand for?" And it's almost like, you know, you go to someone and say, "Can you help tell me what I should stand for?" So if you're starting a company you should have very clear ideas of what is your mission what are your values what do you stand for and kind of looking at the, the space of tech I felt there's a there's a lot of work to be done here in, in terms of the changing priorities of why we start companies to begin with and for me personally it was sort of a fusion between my personal passion which was machines and design and uh, I was building vintage bikes at a shop out in Brooklyn so I felt okay here's a thing that I I don't seem to get. Can I combine that with a greater sense of purpose and impact? And looking at the mobility space, you know, transportation is the biggest fossil fuel emission, emitters. So, okay, why not address that as a challenge? And at the same time, do something that is at a big scale, but you know, sort of honor honor the the passion behind it. And uh, the first thing I did is essentially identify what are the what do we stand for. What would, as foundational values. And that, that became sort of the platform. And it was really important to not compromise the integrity of that because it's so easy to write down three words on a, you know, on a, a, a keynote Sorry. and like, yeah. Oh, they sound pretty, but what does that actually mean? And you know, the, the greatest challenge I realized is to actually staying true to those values and yeah. honoring them throughout, throughout the whole process. Which uh, is to not easy
1: get, to get inventive. To I mean, maybe talk a little bit more of how you've had to fully create your own materials and going everything from you know algae. I think it's siding or paint and flaxseed, hardening your seeds. Like you truly are inventing this product one by one to stay to your core values of sustainability. So maybe talk about that and and it's you know, often headaches of the supply chain and having to create something from scratch, and especially during a pandemic and inflation and all sorts of issues that are on your side right now.
0: <laughs> yeah, it was, it was a good challenge, uh, for sure. And uh, most of it was driven by my unawareness of what the hell I was even doing. Yeah, so uh, those three words, I'm like, okay, art. Um, I think as a society, we're kind of beginning to lose Uh, appreciation to everyday objects because most of the objects around us are made for mass manufacturing, mass standardization, mass production. So there seems to be this movement towards back to arts and crafts, which is, you know, we appreciate things that are handmade. We appreciate things that are beautiful, that are... uh, When someone has dedicated a lot of time making, so that felt like such an obvious you know, cornerstone, especially coming from sort of the custom motorcycle world where you spend six months building this, this, this object, that became one of the sort of pillars. The second is technology. Obviously, looking at the, the tech space we inhabit now, infinite possibilities, everything from additive manufacturing to sensor technology, AI. Of course, building something that zero emissions was a no-brainer. Uh, we would not, you know, create a company that uses internal combustion as a as a as an engine. And then, lastly, is looking at how are we actually building products today. So, typically, manufacturers don't really speak about the materials that they use because it's uh, for a reason. Mainly, they don't want the consumer to know the the toxic materials that are being used in the process, nor the philosophy behind making vehicles specifically. So, most products today are built to be replaced. And if you look at uh, the vehicles from the 40s, 50s, a lot of them were built to be repaired. So, kind of looking at the landscape, I'm like, okay, there's a lot of stuff that doesn't work here. So, instead of just making something electrical, could we address this as a holistic approach and uh, kind of try to figure out all of these building blocks? And that felt, it just felt right. You know, if, if we're going to pick one of the things with a direction to do something impactful and good, then we have to address all of them otherwise it wouldn't be really authentic for us to say oh well you know we're trying to build a sustainable company but then we use petroleum based plastics and you know by sort of planting that flag no idea how difficult it would actually be to stay true to those values and we we did really the best we could under 5 years and you know the more we sort of started scratching the surface and say well what does it mean to use sustainable materials and realizing that most of the stuff that goes into a vehicle today is incredibly toxic everything from petroleum based plastics vinyl wiring and we said okay let's bite off what we can chew and begin sort of reinventing what we can reinvent we can't obviously create a zero waste product from from the start so we chose okay let's look at some of the key materials that we can start swapping out and looking at what other materials are currently existing and essentially creating a path that you know this is this is a decision matrix that we filter all the decisions through. And if they get us closer to the goal, amazing. And how long is going to take us for us to get there? I don't know, 5 years, 10 years. But it was just important to sort of constantly ping and balance that and, and realize... Or kind of to promote the, the new industry that's happening in biotech and sustainability and all that.
1: But I think you were constantly going back to your touchstone, which are your core values, right? Because if you weren't going back to your core values, you would just assumed, well... I'll just you know, take this plastic component and we'll just use that because it's easier. We're on a, a time crunch. And so I think that going back to like your moral compass are the core values. And, and I think the more you're speaking, it's funny when you said you didn't know your personal why. I'm hearing the personal why come through the lens of your company, which I think just shows how intertwined that they are, that it's really a symbiotic. You're not just creating something that you and yourself use. It's a representation of you as a person and individual too. And so I think your core values of your company, the core values of you are actually really, really, really similar. Yeah, I think a lot of it to, you know, just a lot of the tribulations that you've gone through, you, if you weren't so committed to the overall circular economy, not just how the product's made, not just the narrative, the story to make sure it matches, but then even how the product essentially goes into its next life, right? And breaks down and goes into its next life. And very, very, very few companies are taking that extra effort to really look about what they're even going to, what is this going to become 30 years from now? They're just so focused on oversupply and, you know, this over-consuming culture that we're in. And so I really, I really admire that you are kind of creating that standard and I would love to see it almost standardized across multiple industries where the new ledger isn't your ROI, but it's, you know, your carbon footprint. Like how can you, you know, be a front runner to really show that, you know, whether it's investors or whether it's, Just the gauge of how companies are graded. How can they be graded off of like their actual closed loop model, right? It would be so. It'd almost be a subtraction grade. Like it'd be like the negative emissions as a grade versus the, the you know pluses. So I think you're really like paving the way for that. And it says it says a lot. Absolutely right.
0: And that was well said because I think there there's a lot of buzzwords and you know the regenerative economy, circular economy, and so on. And that is that is the consequence of of what we should have been doing from the from from the start. And a lot of that is just pure common sense, right? Well,
1: and I also, I would almost say a lot of it's loosely said. People will love to use the buzzwords and packaging that they're a closed economy. But when push comes to shove, they're not going to go and invent a siding out of flaxseed and fail and fail and fail and fail until they figure it out like you have. I think they like to say that they do, but for you to constantly go back to, again, your core values of what you stand for... And you won't, you know, put the product out until you fully believe that it falls within the lines of what you represent. So I cut yeah. you off, but more so, I think a lot of people do this like greenwashing or this false advertisement of, of a lot of these. And you're actually showing your dedication, to actually following through with it, which which says a lot. But carry on. I interrupted mm. you with
0: the. Uh... No, no, no interruption. I mean, it's a free flow back. But uh, yeah, I agree. The, what doesn't do the industry any service is companies who want to ride, you know, the green wave and just. Uh, Slap a sticker on the product, say, we're bio something. And most consumers don't have enough depth to truly understand what are the ingredients that goes into a product because nobody's really educating us. You know? And uh, well, typically, what manufacturers are doing is pointing the fingers towards the consumer and say, you should be green, you should recycle, you should do that. So they're kind of trying to relieve their sense of responsibility and push it on the and consumer after and say,
1: That's how the product's made. But After how much the product of the, is made. Exactly. How much is the pressure is really put on to making this so it does recycle, so this doesn't go into a landfill. But then all the pressure is put on yes. me as a consumer to make sure I do the right thing in its afterlife, which yeah. isn't right. So I Absolutely. think be a lot more pressure put on companies and the manufacturers and the creators like yourself, like you're paving the way to make sure that the product is sustainable to begin with. Yeah. And, then make- and it
0: has to be a dialogue. You know, It has to be a dialogue between anyone who chooses to to bring something physical into the world. It's not a nice thing to be sustainable. It is your responsibility. If you go and extract raw material from Earth, find a way to, that it goes back there. Yep. You know, Maybe it's going to take 5 or 10 years, but have that in mind when you're you know, starting with the first pencil sketch. Figure out, how does this thing return to where I took it from? This is I'm pretty self-evident, right? But we've created sort of a modern economy on that, on a notion of infinite growth based on a finite amount of resources, um, hoping that tech is going to solve it. But mm-hmm. there's maybe it will. I, I don't see enough, uh, or I don't see the pace of of those innovations happening at the at the rate they should be.
1: Yeah. Well, unfortunately, I feel like it's gonna have to be some sort of consequence, whether it's a tax or whether that you're held at this different way as a company that your your wrist is slapped and you're you're reprimanded to then go and do the right thing, unfortunately. Otherwise, just financially, we're seeing it right now with sustainable materials. Unfortunately, for the yeah. good moral reason, people aren't aren't choosing that way at a mass scale in big industries. And so it will be the next 10 years is going to be really really interesting as you know climate change increases and products get more strict it'll be wild to see to see what that what that looks like but i didn't yeah. want to focus on the company i think what your company's rad and i admire it and so much but i really i, I really wanted to unpack more on like you and as the individual and kind of what makes up your psyche that again your why that then creates the what of your company but that just falls in line with i think the consciousness of what gravity at least the podcast and what brett the founder really represents is what is you know your purpose? What's you know the cheesy? What's your reason to get out of bed in the morning, or what's your why? That I think if you tell that story, that impacts people a lot more than this manicured product of kind of sharing your big bigger why, and then that inspires the next person to go create their why. And I think that cycle is like the beautiful thing of sharing your purpose. And so to kind of back into it, we can you know have free form, but to back into it, I'm a big believer of your worldview usually being shaped by like. Three or four, let's call them like, you know, in the biography of your life, like three or four massive chapters, whether it's the who's, maybe it's the what's or the okay. when's. Like, what are the three or four pivotal moments that you reflect on that you're like, this is how I shaped my world, you know, personally, spiritually, like emotionally? Like, what do you think are like the three things that have really kind of put this parameters around like you as a person?
0: Mm. Okay, but uh, I gotta dig deep, or I should have
1: uh, <laughs> <This> <laughs> thought about that
0: before. Top three. Yeah. Okay, one of my biggest influences was most likely, or probably, or definitely martial arts. So I grew up uh, doing a range of different styles like karate, kung fu, and uh, it wasn't just a way to move your body; it was also philosophy. And uh, I was fortunate to get introduced to that when I was six. So I think a lot of a lot of my worldviews were were founded there, which is you know looking at sort of the 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 rhythmical flow of energy whether it's in your body or they say uh, uh, chi which is a concentration of of your energy and you know when i was a kid I, I wasn't really reflecting over that from a sort of a philosophical standpoint it was just oh okay cool here's a japanese word without fully understanding what it means but knowing that that was sort of shaping my My way of being, and a lot of that was also.
1: How was it introduced to you? Like, was it a certain individual? Did you stumble upon it? Did you seek it out? Like, how do you think that crossed your radar?
0: So I started by uh, my dad brought a Bruce Lee movie when I was six uh, years (laughs) old, and I just saw the movie. I'm like, wow, that's cool. I want to do that. And then a week later, he took me to a karate class, and I was just, you know. And then I started teaching when I was 15 or 16 years old, and uh, you know, the the more you sort of Get into that. The more you have to understand the underlying principles of it, and not just you know execute certain certain shapes. And a lot of it was rooted in in Zen Buddhism, which is a completely different way of perceiving reality than we're typically taught in in the West. But at the same time, I was growing up in Sweden, you know, with Russian parents, so I had these completely three different perspectives, and nothing made any sense, which may which forced me to go out and kind of constantly weigh things against each other and say, well, these guys are saying one thing. These guys are saying some direct opposition. So what is truth? And I think in a way that led me to the process of self-discovery to kind of not just take things at face value, not to say, oh, excellent. This is this religion that dictates this and uh, my way of being. And here's something else. But rather to absorb that information in a non-judgmental way and figure out what makes sense to you. And uh, I think that was a big realization later on, without me even knowing that this was happening in the background. Second second was probably... Well, my dad was was an entrepreneur. So he was constantly starting new companies and new ideas. And typically, the Swedish population is... A lot of people are doing the same thing, at least when I was growing up. So they have a very strong middle class. There's not a lot of... You know, variation between entrepreneurs and people at the bottom. It was basically like this—the this solid level. You know, so my dad was different because he was doing different things, and I think that gave me an insight early on that oh, wait, I don't have to work this job like everyone else does. I don't have to do things nine to five. I can do and build whatever I want to do, and so that that kind of shaped, shaped my curiosity and. Well, if I were to start a company, what would it be? Would it be based on, you know, business model to generate profit and revenue? I felt that never uh, resonated with me. I was always driven by, oh, here's a cool thing I want to make. And that, that led me sort of into the field of of design and uh, uh, furniture and uh, just creating something. It just made me feel uh, like amazing. You know, your heart beats faster. I'm like, wow, you can make things with your hand. So, that, that became such a fundamental way of, of expressing yourself in any medium, whether it was digital or physical. And then thirdly, I think it was understanding the mechanism of your inner workings, which is in there, which is basically the field of psychology and philosophy. You know? And I remember stumbling over a book when I was 16 by Napoleon Hill. From like 1908.
1: God Do you remember yeah. the name of the book? I cannot. I, just, I knew you were going to say it. I'm like, please say it. It's on the tip of my tongue, but I know exactly what Yes, it's tongue. on
0: the tip of my tongue. And I haven't read it since. But basically, what he did, he studied Henry Ford.
1: Yeah, exactly. A,
0: and, uh, you know, as a 16 year old, I'm reading this book. I'm like, wait, there's a secret to success? What is the secret? And he followed, you know, some of the most successful. People on that from that age, I think it was Dale Carnegie, Henry Ford, and that felt like such a mystical thing that there's a there's a framework to operate it, and what separates people who achieve what they set out set out to achieve, you know, to fulfill their dreams, whatever, versus the vast majority that never uh, get to that point, and that sort of like opened up completely the door where I started consuming everything I could on. On personal development, on you know philosophy, and trying to map out the your mind essentially.
1: I love to see all three of them intertwined. It's almost like you had that initial spark of what your flow state felt like. Essentially, with martial arts, right? Like, okay, I'm mm-hmm. in this; but I can do this forever. Oh, here's my my dad as an example of like failing fast. It's right there in front of me every night. I come home, I see it. So you have that live example, and then your world was cracked open with the book, and you know, kind of seeing this higher level of consciousness. You're like, all right, I've got this roadmap now. It's been done before. How can I innovate? And I think yes. that's they all kind of go hand in hand. That's beautiful. That's awesome. So now the harder question I think is, yeah,
0: what... <laughs> What do you call it? You light like, on it. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> that makes
1: sense. <laughs> yeah, I can totally unpack your whole brain. Absolutely. Now kind of going into like that's kind of what the journey that got you there. But what do you think like your secret sauce? Obviously, everybody has their journey, but what's your secret sauce? Like, what's your biggest skill sets that that makes you this serial entrepreneur and this, you know, constant inventor and creator? And then the double-edged sword of like what, what are your biggest weaknesses, you know, as a startup entrepreneur, that's go, go, go and, and constantly evolving and innovating. Like, what do you think is your biggest, I not want to say distractions, but like your Achilles heel, you know, as a creator, what do you often find? And, and you and I personally talked about this. You find the teammates that can then pick up those skill sets. but mm-hmm. what are your strengths? So here's your personal journey that you went on, you know, paired with your best strengths as you as an individual. And then where do you even it out with, with some of your weaknesses that you've acknowledged?
0: Yeah. The strength which I think I've had even at a younger age is, is not to see limitations in things, but see the possibility. So there's always, again, different ways of looking at things. And I notice most often when, when people are faced with a challenge or a task, they tend to gravitate towards, oh, this is difficult. Here are the reasons why it's not possible, you know. And then you create sort of your worldview around thing and I, I could never really understand it. I don't know if it's a genetic or a socially conditioned thing I always saw oh if that's never been done before, I lean into it that makes me interested. I'm like well there's got to be a way to do it in that case and then you sort of change the context and start figuring out what are all the possibilities that would make this happen And obviously you know you're aware of the limitations but you, you focus on, on what you choose to focus on and maybe this strength. is something... Yeah, I think it, uh, for sure. I think that and this is something that I believe can be cultivated with uh, a lot of people. And I think root of this is our educational system, which really doesn't teach us that. It usually teaches us information, that's memory. It's
1: our podcast on our educational system. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's
0: another wrap. Limitation, I would say, is... Limitation, I would say, is patience. Because when you create something, you wanna you wanna create it and you wanna have a tangible result. But that's something I've for sure learned to hone because I've been working on this for five years and that's a long time to work on on anything, you know, and endless hours. So that has been the greatest lesson is just, you know, have a sense of urgency, but let things take the time they have to take and just trust the process.
1: I think that's great. I mean, I'm kind of already at my last question, which is a long one, but what... I know, I mean, you're, you are, it sounds like you're, you know, constantly curious and like you're, it sounds like a student for life. Like Just from, you know, what I know about you, you're constantly wanting to dive in and learn more constantly, whether it impacts the company or just at large, but like, what would you say you are most, and maybe it is going back to your company and growing your company, which we can talk about in a second of its, you know, continual evolution, but what are you most excited about right now? In in the world, in maybe your life, in where the company's at, like what just like that you can't get off your mind, and you're just so stoked about and wanting to. If there were an, you know infinite hours in a day, you'd want to just fully go into this or learn more about. And please don't say the metaverse.
0: <laughs> yeah, definitely not in the metaverse. I mean, we, we build vehicles to to help people remind that there's a physical reality. And the, yeah. on the contrary, like how how do you you know reawaken that sense of oh. I'm alive and I exist in this plane. And how do you sort of stimulate those senses and not through mobile devices? I think right now we're we're at this pivotal moment as a society where we really have to choose the direction. And what seems to be the narrative is that we have to become more of a a technological being where we completely focus on on the ones and zeros. which at the same time creates this completely other community of people who say, no, 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 we should go completely the other way. We should go back to being tribal and live in the woods and so on. And that creates more tension. Mm-hmm. I think the way is like anything else in nature is to find a balance between both and not totally become technological and not completely go back to just living, you know, out in huts, but find Middle ground, and it's a new field that's being created.
1: So to boil it, like you're excited about this, like median between the digital and physical, or you're excited to see technology continue to seep into the physical world. Like, how are you to say, like one, you know, Mm. subject that you are excited about, or you could just be excited about some book you're reading or some show you're watching. Like, what are you most, (laughs) what are you most excited about as far as like right now? Like, what's your your number one, you know, pop pop culture. Not, I don't want to say pop culture. Your number one thing that your 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 idle mind draws to when it can.
0: Mm. No, I'm I'm excited about exactly the merger of technology and nature, uh, and th- that field is uh, it's called biotech, which is how do we how do we observe nature's intelligence and then use that wisdom to create technology. Uh, for the better and it's it's so new and the, it has so much potential and I think in there maybe lies lies the answer of how do we build a more sustainable and the, that can that can be expressed in so many different ways. It can be expressed in architecture in vehicles in fashion, and you know a little bit find our roots but also create a positive future
1: yep. That's exciting. And you are doing that through your company every day. So it's directly aligned when you go to work every day, you're working on it.
0: Yes. so That's awesome.
1: What else? Anything else I didn't really touch on? Any hmm. other more kind of like your big core values, mental health, your purpose? They're all huge, super deep subjects, but anything I didn't, yeah. we didn't get a chance to talk about?
0: Well, speaking on the theme of sort of entrepreneurship, you know, so... Um, If you would to go out and create something, which I really um, endorse, everyone to even if it's a side project, like you know, go and do something and do something that you believe is a step in the right direction, because everyone's effort is needed now. And uh, most people say, "Well, what, what can I do? You know, I have no impact." But even the tiniest little little. You know, pebble creates ripples. So, pick something and just address that head on. But start with uh, maybe what you started with. Start with your why. You know, why are you why are you doing this? Does this thing even need to exist?
1: Yeah, I think that's really important. At the end of the day, we are all individuals. You know, insulary focusing on. A collective whole, and so I think if we are aligned with our purpose, what's our community that now of like-minded people that we attract? What's that greater purpose, and then therefore, what's the impact, you know, on yeah. the world? And I think and I believe you referenced it once before of like a lot. So, and even back to the metaverse or NFTs or so much of this technology now is going. So much is going towards these really innovative ways, but is there true direct impact for the greater whole, for the planet, for the people, for? you know, I think the collective and it's crazy to see and not, and we also don't want to, you know, put words in, in people's core value mouths that they, that needs to be their mission. But if you were to really start from your personal core values, not just to create a company for a return and to be sold, but if you're really to go to what wakes you up in the morning and what's, how do you function in your flow state? It would be wild to see how much of your companies and what they would actually create. Right.
0: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And identify your flows. Yeah. You know go and experiment like figure out what's what makes you go up in the morning and if if you feel that calling, then go for it and everyone has that there there's this you know dormant seed of potential that uh...
1: but I think going back to like what's what your sculpted your world do if you don't I think your dad was such a huge role in that because if you don't have an example in front of you and maybe you can there's been a you know Michael Jordan never played basketball, never knew it. Nobody was in front of him to teach him that. So I think there's something about seeing that representation in front of you so you can kind of learn the ways is helpful, even if it's an entirely different product, but just understanding that you can be an outlier or a differentiator in some way helps. So it's kind of that perfect recipe of, okay, like, what's my spark? What do I get excited about? You know, or your flow state, which is my core values. Okay. How can I see it applied in the real world? And then, you know, almost even to your case, okay, how can I learn more and more and more on how to do this? And so, yeah. it would just to tie a bow on it. Going back to that education comment, it would be so incredible if that's how education was really taught, you know, or if that offering was out there of like going to you as the individual of what what makes you tick versus like what's that overarching or like mass way in a way to think or to have a career or to be successful.
0: Yeah, yeah, there there is a, a manual and. Uh... You know, it's uh, partially you write it, but uh, the other part is already there. You just have to go through the process of unbecoming and getting rid of the you know institutional programming that uh, we have unfortunately bathed
1: in. Yeah, it's a lot of backtracking, or as Brett likes to always tell me, it's a lot of surrendering, which um, Mm. is is tough for Type A control freaks. I don't know any of them at all, but you know it's tough it's tough for them
0: <laughs> yeah yeah for sure
1: well that's all i have i really really appreciate it I, I will definitely give more information on the company at large but i wanted to dig into kind of your psyche today and you know talk more is like what makes an entrepreneur and what what makes you tick so i think this was a really insightful i appreciate it
0: oh cool. thank you happy to share Thanks for listening to the Gravity Podcast. Please be sure to subscribe, leave us a review and follow me on Instagram at Brett Kaufman on Twitter at BKaufman125 and subscribe to our YouTube channel by searching for The Gravity Podcast with Brett Kaufman. And please send me a DM with any guests or topics that you'd like to hear on future episodes.